So we took uh, we took time last week in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we were looking at the qualifications for overseers. And um, just a, a recap on that, because we'll, we'll be reading a lot of the same things today. Uh, but it was, it was interesting as we went through looking at it, I think that we were able to, to, to really, uh, I think it was, I can't remember who said it now, not the guy, but Clinton who said it last week, that essentially what we're seeing here is Paul talking about an overseer must be above reproach, and then all of the things that we see after that are kind of a checklist of things that we can apply to someone who meets that qualification of being above reproach. But we also spend a lot of time talking about how Paul has a, a definite concern for how the church is viewed by the outside world. And, and what happens when you have an overseer who, who is not above reproach and does not meet these qualifications. And so, you know, we, we talked about how it's, it's clear that <coughs> Scripture here allows for um, the, the qualifications to be placed on someone to say you are suitable for this, this noble office, this noble task, as Paul describes it. But it certainly is also possible that while performing that task, you could do something that would make you disqualified for that task. And um, we talked about how, how churches will get so latched on to an individual, and forgiveness absolutely is something that has to be there when someone falls, but it doesn't mean that you have to elevate them back into that office if they have fallen or, or, or gone so far as to not meet these qualifications. And um, you know, in verse seven it says, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. And, and that's one of those things that can tend to, to shift a bit because obviously if something happens where the outsiders look upon the church and look upon the leadership in a very poor light, um, you start to ask the question, how can they keep that person in, in, in leadership? And so um, it's, it's not just a rubber stamp, this is, you get this forever. Um, we're happy that you meet this, and now, you know, it's not like the Supreme Court, right? You know, you have to either die or resign. Um, there are things that can kick you kick you out of the qualifications. This is a, probably a dumb thing, but I'm gonna, I'll share with you how my, my mind works on situations like this. I always think about, and I don't even know if it's the same way, but at one time I heard that there were, were women who were upset that they could not run for Miss America because you're, we were not allowed to be married. You had to be single. And you could not have been divorced. Those were the qualifications. And I thought, well, why are you upset over that? If you know what the qualifications are, and you want to be Miss America, don't get married. I mean, that, those, that was my mindset, right? If you know what the rules are, if you know what the qualifications are, okay, then you just need to follow the rules and follow the qualifications. And, I, and, and once you do something that doesn't meet that, you're disqualified. And uh, that may be kind of a goofy way to look at it, but those things, those things connect in my mind that, that there are qualifications for certain things. You know, you can't look like me and play NBA basketball, right? It just doesn't work. I'm not athletic. I just, it doesn't, it's not something I can, I can get out there and handle. So I don't meet the qualifications for that. <coughs> just, just the title, you know, it's, 
would be Mrs. America, right? Uh, well, perhaps, yes. Yeah, Miss. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm calling that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that must have been at least 10 years ago, because now there's probably men that want to... Yeah, you don't have to be a woman. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Once again, thank you, Tank. You're not wrong, no, how's that? How's that asbestos and rat poison coming? Yeah. It's giving me clarity. Like is that what it is? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the one particular qualification, however, that we do find listed under the qualification for overseers, and again, we'll mention that overseers, pastors, um, bishops, um, uh, those are all essentially the same office that's being spoken of here. But there's one particular qualification that we don't find when we start to talk about qualifications for deacons, and that is the uh, must be able to teach. Teaching is not a qualification that we're going to read about here in verses 8 through 13 when he's talking about the qualifications for deacons. And again, I'll, I'll go back and mention something I said last week, that the role of a deacon is not clearly defined in Scripture. The, the best thing that we can, we can refer to is in the book of Acts where the first, uh, what, we, what we, we can discuss as the first deacons being appointed to oversee the needs of making sure that uh, the needs of the widows were met and that everyone, you know, what, the people weren't overlooked, essentially. And, and so the word deacon, uh, the, at, the, at, the, at its core in Greek, just simply means servant. And, and so it's, it's a, somewhat of a broad qualification. And certainly in churches where they have a pastor, elders, and deacons, um, the deacons do wind up taking some of the load off of, as the as here, uh, the load off of the pastor and assist in ministry and assist in serving uh, the congregation. And so um, let's, uh, let's take a look at what <coughs> Paul had to write about qualifications for deacons. So in verse 8, he starts off with the, the words, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. So we're seeing a picture here of, of, of an individual who the presence of the Holy Spirit within them should be affecting their lives. You should be able to look at their lives and see that because they are saved, there is a difference in them when you compare them to the ways of the world. Uh, verse 9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Anybody want to elaborate on that a little bit? Does that there, does, what's that what's that meaning in in just regular terminology? What do you hear when you hear they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience? Well, my Bible says deep truths. Okay, they must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. And to me, that just brought to mind the verse that I don't remember where it is, but it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In all his ways. So you're, you're, you're convinced. You're, you know, like you're not going to be swayed by other arguments you know, or arguments or, views. Or yeah, and, and keep in mind what what the, the the core reasoning behind this writing to Timothy is. From from all indications, we're we're going after false teachers. 
We're going after those who are trying to lead astray those who are in the church. And, and so this is a, a reminder, I think, as you said, that when we talk about essentially you, you, need, to, you need to understand the gospel and be dedicated to it, right? And you need to, with, without, without a problem, without a doubt, um, be able to say that I'm a follower of Christ and, and I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me to say it publicly. It, I don't have any issues. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Um, and, and to me, that's where I hear that clear conscience. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, my, my conscience is completely clear, and I'm, and I'm as, as the ESV says it, hold to the mystery of the faith. There are a lot of things about the Christian faith that we may not be able to explain or fully understand. But I can still believe it. I can still hold strong to the mystery of the faith, and I can do it with a clear conscience. And so that's the kind of individual that Paul is saying qualifies as someone who can be a servant within the church and assist in these particular areas. And this is, again, a place where Paul brings that word conscience up to, to take and, and mesh it in with your faith and have an understanding that a person whose conscience is being led by the Holy Spirit has a conscience that's going in the right direction. It has a conscience that you can trust. It has a conscience that 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 is is one that you you need to follow. Uh, verse ten says, "And let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless." Um, interpretation there. I could go in a couple different directions with that. You know, one of the one of the first things I think about is that you know, to be to become a deacon, uh, oftentimes you know in the, the ordination process, there's oftentimes a question and answer. There's a similar to an ordination of a pastor, um, but the way that this really hits me is: Have you been tested in life? Have Have you shown that? when you faced various trials, various troubles, various problems, that you have turned to the Lord. Anybody, anybody's Bible have anything to, to elaborate on that? As far as let them be tested first? My, I don't have a study Bible with me today, but my thought is, uh, is time, just like in the qualifications for overseers, it says he must not be a recent convert or he may be puffed up with conceit. Yeah. Just probably similar, similar time. You know, a recent convert shouldn't be a deacon because their endurance, their faithful endurance, hasn't been tested, been tested and proven. Yeah, yeah. No, I, there's a there's a, absolutely an application for that. I think tested is that you see, you know, folks. All of us are tested. All of us go through trials and tribulations, and you see how a person. There's two ways of paths of handling that, right? I mean, you can go uh, maybe down a deeper, darker, destructive path, mm -hmm. or you can, your faith can grow stronger, you know, and actually I think, I think that test can kind of show, uh, when, when they're talking about that here, that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking, I guess. Yeah, I, I can see that clearly here as well, and, and I think that it applies to what 
to what Tink said, you know, through going through those trials and learning. When you go through trials with the type of conscience that he's speaking of, you tend to get, for lack of a better term, you tend to get into this, this autopilot where when things get tough, you just shift over into relying on God. Not that you're not always relying on God, but you truly let go of the situation. You get to a, you get to a point where you realize, I just cannot handle this at all. There's nothing I can do. And instead of completely falling apart, or you may fall apart first, but then you, you come back around and say, you know what? God's got this. I don't have it, but God's got this. And being able to place that, that trustworthiness and hand things over to God in that manner <clears throat> speaks a lot to how you're going to handle situations in the capacity of, as a servant within the church. So when, when things blow up in the church, you don't want leaders who are going to take a worldly approach. You want leaders who are going to turn to the Lord and go to Scripture, handle it through prayer, and, 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 and do the right thing, a godly thing. And that doesn't mean you don't involve things within the world. And I, I'll, I'll say that because right now one of the biggest problems facing the Baptist church, as well as, as, as a lot of uh, churches, unfortunately, has to do with the way that they've decided to handle things like sexual abuse. And they try to keep that within the church's walls and try to say, well, we need to handle that ourselves and deal with this internally. And, and, and that in and of itself, it does nothing but lead to destruction. And we've seen that. And I don't believe that that's how it's supposed to be handled. Uh, and so I think probably enough about that. So in verse 11... This is where things get a little interesting. Now I'm going to read verse 11 here. It says, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Anybody have a different version of that they would want to read? Let's, let's hear it for verse 11 here. It says, In the same way the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate, and trustworthy in everything. So yours says, in the same way, the women. Yeah, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Anybody else have a different rendering of that? So mine is the same, only it says their wives are to be, but my footnote says, um, in the same way, deaconesses. To be yeah, and then this is where we get a little bit of a of a um, discussion within churches, denominations, what have you, whether or not the it's it's acceptable for women to serve in the office of deacon. I mean, deaconess is was was it Romans chapter? Somebody I forgot who it is now. It's mentioned as deaconess. Somebody help me here. I remember it's in Romans where someone is mentioned as a deaconess. Um, and I bring that up because when you go back to Greek, 
my understanding is that the word there, looking at this rendering where it says their wives, there is is added here in translation for clarification. It's not really in Greek. You can't really get that word out of there. And the word wives as is rendered here, that exact same word is also used as women and wives. It can be used in both methods or both applications. And so there is the, as Brad, are you out, are you out of the NIV, Brad? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Um, so the NIV renders that as the women, <clears throat> leaning more toward that women could serve as deacons, whereas some other translations render it as their wives, leaving it to, well, women can't necessarily serve as deacons, but it reflects upon um, the man's and how the wife is, is, is serving and living and how she looks upon, is looked upon. The woman was Phoebe. Yeah, thank you. Phoebe, that's it. KJV reads her as a servant, not a deaconess. It's for future versions that have changed her into a deaconess and versus just a servant of the church. And, and the reason they've done that is that the, the, the word deacon is, a, is just a transliteration so there, there's no there's no English word that lines up with the Greek word for deacon, and the literal translation of that word is servant. And so what they've done is they've started taking the word servant and deacon and blending them together. And I'm not saying that's right, but that's what they've done. And I, I'm not taking a stand on anything here. I'm just explaining it. It's just interesting why in one part it would say a servant, and then in another part of the Bible, the same translation uses deacon. But I also find it interesting, like if women were going to be deacons, if we were going to accept the fact that women were going to be deacons, then why does the Bible single them out separately? That doesn't make sense to me. I still lean more on these are the wives of the men who are deacons that you're talking about. Otherwise, they should just fit the bill as the deacon because it never says, well, it might say man somewhere, but. Well, I'll tell you, this. the, the next verse is where it actually gets, gets even muddier for me. Um, because the one thing that's not here, if we go all the way back up to the chapter two and we were talking about about women and serving in teaching roles and authoritative roles within the church. And then he splits out the qualifications here between deacons and overseers. And the one difference is able to teach. So if able to teach falls under the category of an overseer, but does not fall under deacon, then the, the ones, folks who argue that women can be deacons they point that out and they say, well, here he leaves out teaching because he already said women can't do this in the church or do not permit women to do this within the church. So we're going to split this out because it's okay if women do this but not this. So that's one of the arguments that goes in that direction. But the next, the next thing that I don't quite, this just throws me. It, it says in verse Verse 12, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Is there a different translation anywhere that you guys have on that? Because that, to me, tends to go right back to saying, these are men. 
So there, there's a ton of discussion over verse 11 about, or so sorry, yeah, verse 11 about, about whether it means wives, women, can women be deacons, etc., etc. But I never see anybody go on to verse 12 in their discussion about it. And verse 12 says, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Because then there's, wouldn't there be a separation there? I'm just trying to reason this out. Again, I'm not trying to, to, to take a, a firm stance either way. Yeah, mine, mine says the deacon must be faithful to his wife. And kind of what you're alluding to or saying is it wouldn't say a deacon must be faithful to his spouse or to their spouse, right? You know, if it was both. Yeah, something yeah. along those lines. I feel like if women were to be included as deacons, then they, they wouldn't have verse 11 singling out women. To me, I, yeah. I'm very much on the stance deacons should be men. Yeah, I know. It should yeah. not be women. And if that's the case, then there is a need for verse 11 to say, and their wives also must be. But if women could also be deacons, there would be no need for verse 11. They would yeah. all just be in the same category. And I don't think there'd be a need for verse 12. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's again, my point of view. There's another uh, translation that says servants must be faithful to their spouse. There is one, huh? I, you I, have it? Well, I just got it. Oh, you it. found it? Okay. Yeah, I, I was just curious. Not that I'm on that stage. No, that's, that's I just, okay. I was curious. I just was like, wonder if it's written anywhere. And it. it's the Common English Bible. Okay. because so I've I never read that version before. but in, in the, in, At least in the most popular versions. They all say that. Yeah. I, 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 I thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. That's interesting. <clears throat> and, you know, there's... And that, that's... I'm not going to open that door and talk about translations and issues there, but, right. but, but you can, <coughs> it will do us well to spend time looking across some of the, the most popular translations that are used today and really work. I mean, I read out of the ESV, I'm very comfortable with the ESV, but there are things in the ESV that I go back to KG, KJV and go, I, I want to find where this change took place and why. And then I look at the NIV and say, why did they render it this way? And the concern I, I, I run into is how many of these things have been influenced by our, our current social climate and the desire to make God's word more friendly and acceptable to all who read it, as opposed to this is God's word. Let's state it, you know? So anyway. <laughs> not get into that. Yes, go ahead. <coughs> not, not to get into that. <coughs> go ahead. That's okay. No, I have just found it interesting. So in that very thing that you just said, why did they make these changes? Is it just for... Because I have an NIV. Brad has an NIV. But what he's reading sometimes is not match exactly what mine says. And I'm like, there's different years. Is your NIV 1984? Mine is old. No, mine is Yours is. Okay. It says says every man's Bible in in New International. Yeah, but what year? It's newer. Would it say it? Where would it say it? Yeah, Yeah, because it got got redone. Steve has an every man's Bible. Uh, there's yeah, an even newer one though. Is there, there is a newer 90s. one. It was like 2000s. Or late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Mm, 2011. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, mine's like 88. <laughs> I yeah. just refuse to give up. Well, it's, it's, inter- and it's interesting because, and again, now I don't want to go too deep into that either, but my understanding was 
that the, the, the folks who worked on the NIV took another look at it and said, you know, really and truly, it's not necessary for us to be as stringent on words like man and woman and separate. It, 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 is, it is more proper to go back and try to make it more homogenous. Hmm. And and so some of the new NIV language, apparently, at least it seems, was, was somewhat influenced by social standing. Notice, though, that Brad's Bible says every man's Bible. <laughs> ladies cannot read that. <laughs> you know, Steve has one of those, and I've looked, I'm like, do they have, do they have an every woman's Bible? Yeah. <laughs> I have an every man's Bible, too, and it's just, it's geared towards men, like, there's there's different, yes. like, art, I don't want to say articles, but, like, yes. there will be, like, a snapshot. Say, yeah, there will be, yeah. like, a conversation about sex, sexual temptation from a man's right. perspective yeah. and things yeah. like that. Mm. You know, lust is all directed towards knows how men deal with us now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can get off that today. But yeah. I've, been thinking, I've been thinking, uh just to maybe challenge us a little bit, maybe some of the things that you know, we have an idea of how church polity should go in our minds based on what we've experienced. Yeah. But sometimes maybe we're not always doing it right. You know, there's some churches that have overseers and deacons like there's six overseers that are men, and then there's deacons that are separate from the overseers, and we don't do that here. And I'm not saying that we need to change that or that's right or wrong, but that's just the nature of the Baptist church. Some some Baptist, oh, yeah. some do it one way, some do it another way. Some consider women as deacons in the servant role, some don't. Uh, so I'm not surely the way that that one church does it versus another church is more glorifying in the eyes of God if you, if you were to ask him personally. But, but I don't know. There's grace, I think, too, in, you know, I don't think God's sitting up there judging us saying, oh, their church polity is all sorts of messed up, you know. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. But, but I think, I don't know what I think. I, the, the deaconess part how you know if, if I just wonder I don't have the answers I just wonder what is the most God glorifying like I just yeah. think like if say me Jamie Scotty and Will and Brad go to plant a church in um, I don't know, pick a place I, I don't know Florence well we're all sort of in church leadership at that point you know we have to be. We've made the conscious decision. We are saved. We see that there needs to be a church in Florence, and we're like the core church leadership team. So at that point, are these women deaconesses? I think so. Kind of. You know? I don't know how that... Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're, where you're going with that. I'll tell you how, I, how I, for me at least, it has worked to read, the, read these verses, is to read them in the, in the context of the founded established church. Mm -hmm. And so once I think when you're when you're planning a church and things are getting started, everybody's wearing all kinds of hats. Mm -hmm. And but but you've always but you're always gonna have a pastor. And and then these secondary offices as, as I feel they are, um, because of the way we've kind of we have developed them. Because when we look at scripture here, there is no distinction between overseers and pastor. 
they're they're essentially the same the right. same group. Yeah. And so what we what we have done is we have separated it out to say that there are elders, which again falls under pastors as far as scripture is concerned. But we have we have taken and said, well, elders needs to be this group of people. They need to meet the same qualification as the pastor, but they're not pastors. And so we have separated out elders and pastors, and we've separated out deacons. And again, the Baptist church is crazy because we have deacon elders. And if we're going to have deacon elders, technically deacon elders should be able to teach. It should fall into that qualification because the Bible says if you're going to be an elder, you should be able to teach. So, you know, how, how I, I'm with you. There's, I pray that there's grace involved in it mm-hmm. um, because we, we struggle to to try and, and follow God's word and do what we think is right and still conduct his church the way that he would see it done. Um, but there's, there's some leeway here that has to be granted on certain things because we're trying to, we're trying to interpret it and make it work. No, you, you know, I, I think God made man and made woman. And, and I think there's a lot of, <coughs> I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, first and foremost, you know, I think that um, you know, as a deacon or as a pastor or elder or whatever you're talking about, when you have a when you have a spouse, you know, or a wife, you know, there's certain things that you know maybe because of being a man, you're not as good, you know, what I'm saying that with the. Uh, one with maybe relating to another woman, you know, I'm saying if, there, if that's the case, you know, or if there's maybe more uh, feelings or emotions or things like that. So it's kind of nice, you know, if you're a deacon to have a good wife, you know, to by your side, to be able to come come alongside and, and kind of be a uh, asset, you know what I'm saying, to you and, and at the end of the day, not to you, to God, you know, because that's who we're glorifying and that's who we're serving at the end of the day. Um, because we all have uh, strengths and, and weaknesses, and I think God made that helpmate for us to help us in a lot of those different circumstances and situations where. We don't always shine and sometimes fail. <laughs> Brad, you're being so politically incorrect right now. You know that, right? I, I am being very politically incorrect. Absolutely. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're trying to say that women and men are wired differently, yeah. that we might actually have different roles in life. Well, that, I, I that, think that's the way God made us, and I think he, it's a beautiful thing, and I, I think I'm old, and I guess I'm going to say stupid things like that. <laughs> not politically correct, and, and people are probably going to get upset with me and throw rotten tomatoes. Your, wor- your worldview is antiquated. I that's, want, that's it. I want to run for Miss America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I think you just used too big of a word for me. I think I think too, I think all Christians should seek to meet the qualifications for deacons. So if you replace the word deacons, Christians likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Blah 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 blah. And fortunately, for for Christians, not everybody. If you if you go back to the overseers, we're not all responsible to teach. 
but we are we should see ourselves as responsible to be dignified not double tongued not addicted to much wine not greedy for dishonest gain and and the rest of the list and the rest of the list and we should seek to be servants of the church we should serve if we are saved and we love god and we love his church then we should seek to be servants of his church whether we're male or female so but does this leave open? Let me ask the question. Does this, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm causing trouble, I think. But does this leave open when we look at this and, and, and Paul is saying, these are the qualifications for serving as a servant or deacon. These are the qualifications for serving as a leader slash uh, elder. Does this leave open the possibility and the, the grace, if you will, that as Christians, as believers, some of our lives are going to look very well together, and some of our lives are going to be an absolute mess, and you're still saved. Well, what's the mess? It's not your works that get you to heaven, though. It's just whether you believe in God or not, and exactly. you accepted Him as your Savior. And you can still be struggling with sin. You can still be struggling with many things. And the reason I bring that up is I agree, we should all be striving to look like this. Mm -hmm. But if we don't look like this, it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have salvation. Right. And, and, and so while these are absolutely things that we should all be striving for, what, what I think sometimes that, that we can be guilty of is looking at those who say that they are followers of Christ and their lives don't necessarily meet this structure. And we look at them and go, who are you? That's why the leadership and the servants within the church specifically are called out to be this. So that when the outside world looks at the, at the leadership of the church, they can say, okay, well, well, proper Christianity looks like this. We can aspire to that. But that doesn't mean that we as church leaders or members of the church should find those who don't necessarily fall into all these categories less less than, than saved. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. And I think is ultimately what is being preached here. If others are looking to you for guidance, then you need to set a bar of your own to me. That's very high. Yes. That's very high. So, but anyway, I, I just wanted to say that. I don't know why I want to say that, but I did. Does it make any sense? Okay. I got, I got through the suit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're at 1045 here. Let's, let me just finish reading the rest of this and we'll, we'll go ahead and close out. Um, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And um, we will wrap that up and get into uh, the mystery of godliness and then we shall move on into verse 4 next week. I'm sure we'll be able to move through the, about the first half of or chapter 4, I mean, sorry, about the first half of chapter 4. So any closing comments, criticisms? Otherwise. <clears throat> We're just going to breeze right over managing your children and household well, huh? <laughs> oh, well, we kind of talked about that last week. You know, we kind of talked about it last week, so I wasn't going to get into it again. But I can do it next week if you like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one I looked at and I'm like, um, 
My children aren't very submissive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can forcefully make them submissive. I wouldn't mind that. Again, take, there's grace here. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer and we'll head on out. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Father, we just we thank you so much that we can sit here and have these conversations with one another. Um, and that in that process, we can, uh, we can understand that there might be areas where we disagree, but there are foundations within your word that are absolutely unquestionable. And there are things that do not do not ever change. And, and fortunately, Lord, that is your word and that is you. And uh, we are so grateful that we have that understanding here. And, uh, Lord, let us keep using your word as that uh, light to our path and uh, help us to always see the direction you would have us to go. Uh, but Lord, when we have discussions like this, help us to always do it in Christian love and help us to do it not to uproot one another and not to knock each other off of any pedestals, uh, but to always just grow deeper in our faith and glorify you through the discussions. Uh, Lord, uh, be with us as we depart this room and we enter into the sanctuary. Be with Brother Tink in the choir this morning. And uh, Lord, we just hope and pray that the messages and the word that are delivered and preached, um, that not only um, will they be heard, but accepted. And we just uh, want to see relationships continue to grow and your kingdom increase, Lord. Thank you again for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.